Wrestling with the Futures live and on the air. And we're joined tonight by not one, but three very special guests. Two of them are incredibly beautiful, and one I wouldn't give you a dime for. <laughs> I love you, guys. Uh, Gary Arnold is joining us. Uh, he is my guest co-host tonight. As you uh, all know by now, Jeff the Ref Robinson uh, passed away this Saturday evening. And uh, this show has a large gaping hole right in the center of it. Uh, we will uh, dedicate this show to Jeff the Ref and his memory. And he will always be a part of Wrestling with the Future. So, Gary, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, or should I call you Livid? Uh, either one's fine, but thank you. I appreciate having me. You're quite welcome. I'm going to call you Gary. Now, Gary has worked for Vanguard Championship Wrestling. Uh, Gary's also a part of uh, a Next Revolution Wrestling um, and Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, as well as uh, a number of uh, local and national promotions. So, Gary, your character is Livid the Clown, yet another reason to hate clowns. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. And joining us are two beautiful ladies. Joined by Jeff the Ref's favorite 10, his perfect 10, his only 10, Nicola Roberts, the one and only Baby Doll. And Baby Doll has her Baby Doll with her tonight. Samantha Starr. Samantha, baby doll, welcome to the show. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. So, Nicola, you've been here before, and you know the chaos that has ensued. It's going to be probably a, uh, a much more subdued show tonight. Thank you for, uh, for bringing... Samantha with us. I can barely hear you. Let me try something else. I'm going to try to do my phone and do the earbuds. Yeah, we can move it in there really quick. All right, give us a minute. We're going to work on something and come right back because it feels, it hears, it sounds really robotic and we can barely hear you. Give yeah, us one and minute I, and I'll call you right back. Okay, sure. Now, can we set up the phone like this? Okay, Gary. So you and I will talk for a minute, Gary, while Nicola is getting herself together. So uh, how did you know Jeff? Um, I actually, uh, I met Jeff when I started training here in Virginia Beach. Uh, he had he had messaged me because he had seen something I had, someone had posted or tagged me in. And he just, uh, we just started talking all the time from that point on. And then later on, I started getting on VCW, and he was a security guard. Yeah. He also went to the same school I did, but he uh, he graduated the year that we that I went in. Yeah, i tell you what, he was a larger-than-life character. Uh, and this show is uh, certainly not the same without him. So I thank you for jumping into them big shoes tonight. Yeah, he's going to be missed really a lot by so many people. Gary, it's no lie. I talked to, uh, from Saturday until now, I'll bet you I've talked to literally over 2,000 people. Yeah. And I'm not even kidding. Either text, message, uh, Facebook, or phone. Yeah. Yeah. Because my phone was blowing up for 
three days. Yeah, they um, one of the other security guards called me probably 20 minutes after he was pronounced dead. Yeah, I found out five minutes later. Not the phone call that I wanted to get, brother. Nope. Not at all. But, you know, I mean, at least he, at least he passed watching wrestling. Yeah, exactly what he wanted to do. Yeah, so and it, that's like the same thing with me. Um, I watched I watched wrestling since I was probably three years old with my great granddaddy, and when I was, we would, I would go over to his house every Saturday morning with his daughter, my grandma, and we'd go over there eat Bojangles biscuits and watch NWA Power Hour. At, you know, at nine oh five on TBS and. We did this every single Saturday, and after after the power, me and my grandma we go garage sailing and stuff. But uh, when I was eight years old, or no nine, uh, me and my grandma went over there, and we were there a little bit early, but I didn't feel like watching uh, Bonanza. Bonanza. And you mean he watched something other than wrestling? Well, it came on before wrestling on TBS. Oh, I got you. <laughs> it might have been Gunsmoke. Oh, shit. It, was, it, was one of, it was one of them Gunsmoke Bonanza. I can't really remember. But um, I went out to the backyard because he built me a swing. And I went out there because we were there a little early. And then I heard my grandma screaming. And so I go running in the house. And she's crawling on the floor going into the kitchen because we're in a tri-level house. She's crawling up the stairs from the den. And I go over to my granddaddy, and I start smacking him on the leg, telling him something's wrong with granny. Something's wrong with granny. I thought he was sleeping. And then right at that moment, the wrestling started in the background. He was waiting for us to get there. Got it. He passed away in that chair before we got there. Oh, wow. Wow. That's that's incredible. Ah, uh, here we go. Here's Nikki. Let's bring Nikki back in. There you go. Hey, much better. Oh, there you go. Terrific. All right, let's get set up here. Yeah, this sounds ten times better. Oh, that's great, Nicola. Thank you. Yeah, you were coming through a bit garbled there, young lady. Okay. Well, it was probably our connection, and I live up in the mountains, and sometimes our Wi-Fi just doesn't work the way it should. Yeah, I understand. That's that's okay. This is uh, this is live, folks. Sorry. What happened? Well, and then you've got a 50-year-old woman trying to figure out how to do this. That, that's okay. Here you go. Is that better? That's perfect. It's the perfect 20. <laughs> and, and good video, good audio, everything's good? Excellent. Okay. It doesn't get any more perfect than... Uh, Dude, that's 10 times better. Than the perfect knockout and the perfect 10, right? There you go. Absolutely. Well, look, this is live, so it happens. You know, these things happen. Hey, we got it figured out, and we're two blondes, so that's amazing. <laughs> I love it, right? 
We're blocking our hair, so woohoo. <laughs> so while uh, I already know Nicola, and I I I think I uh, I know Samantha Starr fairly well by this point. I've uh, I spent the last week watching you. So uh, I'm going to turn to Gary for just a moment while uh, while he's here and uh, and say, Gary, uh, you're working for uh, Vanguard. Uh, you're working for Next Revolution Wrestling. You also work for Mid Atlantic. Uh, how did you get started in the business, mate, young man? Uh, I watched wrestling, you know, a lot as a child, and I always wanted to be a wrestler. Right. <laughs> and. I was I started seeking out schools when I was 19, and as the, as I found one, I was gonna go to Florida. I uh, ended up having a, a daughter, so I ended up just learning to trade and yeah, on hold. And once my daughter was 13, uh, I started training here in Virginia Beach, and I've been doing it okay. for the last six years. And who do who did you train with? Uh, I trained with uh, Southside Pro Wrestling. Okay, sure. And then I went to uh, as many seminars as I can go, and I still do to this day. I, I Actually, I can constantly learning. Never stop learning, young man. Never stop learning. And how did you develop your character, Livid the Clown? I, by the way, uh, I've seen evil clowns in wrestling, but Livid the Clown is the most evil, disgusting, vile wrestling clown I've ever seen. Well, that's, and that's kudos to you. That's not true. <laughs> everybody, everybody loves living the clown. I know, I know. He's so popular. It's crazy. I know. I'm ribbing you, brother. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really interesting character. It really is. Speaking of characters, I got two of them with me right here. In case you're just joining the show, uh, I am joined by Nicola Roberts, Tully Blanchard's Perfect Ten, Baby Doll, and by the way. Nicola, kudos on the shout-out on AEW, by the way. Right? Wasn't that awesome? That's really cool. That was uh, that was a sweet moment for me. I thought, <laughs> yes, my my listenership just went up. There you go. And I'm not and, only Tully's uh, Perfect Ten, I'm your Perfect Ten. There you go. Absolutely. And, uh, and Nicola Roberts has with her her Perfect Ten, the Perfect Knockout, Samantha Starr. How you doing there, young lady? Doing well, I'm all right. <laughs> so you're uh, you are a multi generational wrestler now. Um, you come from a long line, long history. Uh, let's talk right off the bat about the pressure of having to perform, being uh, Baby Doll's daughter, and uh, among the likes of uh, Jake the Snake and Grizzly Smith and people like that. It was. Uh, it's hard to explain. All right. So I was raised by my mom. My dad was not in my life until I was about 16 years old. Okay. Uh, whenever my mom was on like larger wrestling signings, I would get to go. And I didn't understand like how amazing the events actually were going yeah. and getting to hang out and, and stealing beef jerky, not stealing, but hanging out with Dr. Death Steve, Steve Williams and him like feeding me and my sister beef jerky and how <laughs> I would have killed for that. But here we are just hanging out with this, this, this legend. And yeah. how, that was my lifestyle growing up was being around people that everyone envied and everyone looked up to and everyone idolized. And I'm just like, 
back there, eight years old, shooting the shit with these guys. How about yeah. eating food with Bubba Rogers? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Big Bubba. So it was just it was it was crazy experiences that I didn't I didn't understand the weight of what was actually going on around me. Sure. So I was in my my early teens. Whenever I was going to regular independent wrestling shows out on the East Coast with my mom, traveling, I was learning yeah. how to set up the gimmick table and, and work people and say, all right, well, two for, two for 20 instead of, like, one for 10. So I was like, hey, yeah. you should get two for 20. And they're not going to say no to a little girl. So sure. I was learning how to, like, make money and set up the table and set up the chairs and learning how everything worked in the back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, an education, isn't it? Uh-huh. So... We were at a show down in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and my mom was looking at me and she was like, well, is this something you want to do? And I was only 14. And I said, yeah. And she was like, go ahead, get in there. So I got into the ring before the show even started, and I got to work out with some of the guys on the roster. And they're like teaching me how to bump and teaching me how to run ropes. And I was so sore because the biggest thing that I had a trouble with like training was learning how to tuck my chin like it was (laughs) i don't know why it was so hard for me but i could not figure out how to tuck my chin whenever taking a bump so i would so how many times did you knock yourself out kiddo okay knock myself out never but (laughs) get so dizzy that i had to like dip out of the ring go (laughs) and then roll back into the ring and keep taking bumps and keep taking bumps because i had to learn how to do it so i was so I was so sore, I could not lift my head up off the pillow the next morning. And my mom was like, is this something you want to do? And I'm like, hell yeah. So I continued to train all the way up until I was 18 before I actually started having matches. So I trained okay, for Okay, so now, that this was something, I, I just want to make sure I understand. This is something that you wanted to do <clears throat> and not something that mama pushed down your throat. Oh, no, I was never forced um, ever, ever, ever. Like my mom has been yeah. so supportive and and so like encouraging. And she always taught me one thing. You'll know is that my mom was never in Playboy. She was never one of the of the scandalous girls that everyone heard about. My mom was always that respect respected woman. She was one of the boys. So she sure. taught me how to have that mentality and not go out there and, and be dumb and get drunk and hook up with a bunch of guys and, and sleep my way to the top. My mom taught me, all right, respect yourself, hone your craft and figure it out. Make a name for yourself. Good for you. Good for you. She's the only one well, that can take the bumps. I can't do it for her. She's the one that's got to get herself over, not me. Absolutely. Well, you know what? You, she comes from good stock, Nicola. She really does. You know, uh, one of the things that that I can tell you, Samantha, about your mom that maybe you, you know and maybe you don't know. Uh, she always she was always a woman and still is a woman of great integrity and honor. And uh, she's not going to do anything to shortcut her way. Never did. Uh, and I suspect never will. So you come from good stock, you know, you really do. Well, I, I never wanted to do anything that uh, when my girls were little and growing up that they would be embarrassed by. I never wanted to have my girls go, oh, my God, my mom did that and then be embarrassed yeah. for something that I did. And oh, I yeah, absolutely. That I, I upheld that because there's nothing worse than than I mean, I know I've embarrassed my mom, my kids before, but not because of something like that. And in fact, you've you've gone to great lengths to avoid 
those kind of situations. And you, I'm sure you've been, you've been offered, you know, the, the nudie magazines and uh, the playboys and that sort of stuff, but you've, uh, you've really gone way to the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, and even regardless of the money or the lore of it or whatever, uh, you, you've never done that. And thank, thankfully you never have. No. Well, my dad was very respected in this business, and so was my mother. And it's like I never wanted them to be embarrassed for something that I did. I never wanted the boys to go, uh, Nick, guess what your daughter's doing, and, and have the shame of going home and, and facing my dad. Yeah. Because my dad, to this day, people still come up and tell what a really good guy he is and the respect that they had. And, and it's really cool, like the Romero kids. You know, put over sure, my dad how sure. that they were, and and you know how how good my dad treated everybody, and it's it's just a legacy that I wanted to have and that I wanted to pass down. Well, I, I tell you what, you've done an amazing job, um, Samantha. You seem like a, a level-headed, grounded young woman. You know, you seem like a normal, you know, a normal <laughs> young lady. We are not normal. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, for as normal as you can be, you know, in the wrestling business. Um, you know, like how much they train for two years. This girl went to went to college full time. She wrestled on the weekends and she worked full time at Sonic skating so that she had money for college and live on. So she did that for two solid years and graduated college. So between my two daughters, they've got three college degrees. I'm I'm so proud of both of them. It's just amazing the things that they've done. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of them. Well, let's talk about that for a second, uh, Samantha. Had you not gone into wrestling and pursued college, what would your career have been? Okay, so I went to school for culinary arts. So I'm actually like a really? licensed chef. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm a licensed chef. I have several different wow. certifications. Yeah, uh, don't piss me off. I'm good with a knife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. And then after that, I actually, I've, I've always maintained a job. I actually owned a Sonic Drive-In for roughly two years. I was the owner and an operator of a Sonic Drive-In restaurant. Beautiful. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I sold it back in July. Um, I realized I, I took my store from being seventh in the area to first in the area across the entire board. And it yeah. wasn't, I didn't feel like I climbed that mountain. I didn't feel that satisfaction. I didn't feel that, oh my God, I'm so proud of myself. I was like, eh. Yeah. On to the next thing. So I sold my store. Um, I'm thinking about getting my pilot's license next. I've gotten to fly a fly a plane about three times now. I really Good. Like it. Good for you. And yeah, so right now I'm just trying to figure figure everything out. Well, one day at a time, one step at a time. Of course. You know, you're still uh, you're still very new in this. Uh, you don't know what doors will be opened uh, or when they will open. Some people, you know, they make a name for themselves right away and then you never hear from them again. Right. And then there are people like yourself who take their time and build a reputation and establish relationships and they stay around for a very long time. So, Gary, you've got two amazing women here tonight. Talk to them. How y'all doing tonight? Hey, Gary. So, uh, I like to know, you know, how was it being with Telly Blanchard all the time? Oh my gosh, it it was a learning experience. 
it was something that you definitely just sat there and listened and learned from um, everything that he said because he was such a good heel. And I had worked with Jake quite a bit in world-class wrestling. And then to go to Tully and working with Tully and Dusty, it was like, it was almost magic because I was working with the best of the best. And Tully knew how to get heat and he knew that just by giving me little points of what to do in the match and how to follow him, it was, it's amazing to be able to pass 20,000 people off just by doing certain little things and getting the heat and people hate you when they don't even know you. Yeah. You know, Nicola, and Tully could start a riot just with a look. You realize that? Oh, yeah. He could. He's just with a look. He could piss off a whole arena full of people just by looking at them. Right. So now, Samantha, yeah. let's talk about something here. So I've seen, I've seen some matches of yours. Now, not quite sure what to make of you. Uh, I want to say you're a face, but I want to also say you're a face with an attitude. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> okay, so where's the line between face and heel with you? Because you're in this tightrope, you know that, right? Yeah. So I'm really, really pretty. So either people love that. <laughs> no. For real? <laughs> really, honestly? Oh, my God, right? Um, so it's actually a fine line because it's, it's so easy for the, the, the little kids to, oh, my God, I want to be like you. I, I want to grow up. I want to kick ass. And, and you're just amazing. And then it's really easy to turn that and be it, yeah. use it to manipulate people. And for people that I, I wouldn't do those horrible things, I wouldn't, I wouldn't choke somebody out or I wouldn't punch them in the face. It's really easy to oh, play that manipulation. Right, because who who would believe that I would hurt anybody? I think we lost Gary. Did Gary fall down? Gary, I know your shirt says I'm fine, but are you? Gary's gone. That's okay. <laughs> Gary fell out on us. That's okay. We'll we'll just continue without him. This is live. We can't change it. <laughs> So let's talk about some of these people I watched this week. So Stormy Lee, that was a really interesting match, you and Stormy Lee. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm watching this match and I'm seeing maybe you're gonna you're gonna go into this match as a face. Uh-huh. And very quickly, you know, you went from this, you know, cute little Blonde hair, blue eye, you know, oh, look at me, to uh, a freaking killing machine. <laughs> so, so what was your heat with uh, Miss Stormy Lee? Talk to me. Walk me through that match, young lady. Uh, well, I've actually wrestled Stormy Lee a couple times. So which, which match was it? This looked like, I wanted to say, oh, God, uh... Was it, okay, was it inside or was it outside? It was outside, yes, it was outside. So that was Brawl at the Beach. That was for OSCW okay. at the Wind Gym yeah. in South Carolina. Yep. All right. So I am a, I'm a no bullshit kind of person. So I can play nice. <laughs> I can play nice. But as soon as I get the opportunity, I will take it to take over the match 
control sure. the match and win. So I've dealt with Stormy Lee a few times. She's a great wrestler, mm-hmm. but she is also known for antics. Um, her husband was actually on the outside of the ring at that match. Yes. So I have to be vicious and protect myself at all times. Well, you're like fighting two people. Yeah. Well, look, when you're fighting one against two, you know, you use whatever you have available. And and that's called evening the playing field. In in that match, I did not see... And I think in the rule book, Nicola, it says that you can do that, if I'm not mistaken. I think it says you, you can even the playing field if necessary. Absolutely. So she just took a little license with the rules. That's good. I'm proud of you. And if the referee doesn't see it, it didn't happen. Now, there's another match I watched and I want to talk about. Uh, Maria Manic. Now, uh, this this woman, she's got a little, I don't want to say um, emotional problems. Let's just say she's nuts, okay? Okay. Okay. So how do you deal with somebody that's clearly crazy? Hit harder. Be crazy <laughs> than they are. Walk me through that one. That was an interesting match. So if that's the match that I'm thinking about, she's in pink, correct? Yes. Okay. So that was actually my third match of the night. So I was in an elimination style tournament. Oh, okay. I had already taken on two other opponents, Penelope Ford and Brittany Blake. So that was the final match to crown the first ever Women's Fire Championship up in Maryland. Yes. So you can imagine one match against Maria being tough. But imagine after taking on two other opponents that had completely different styles and then going to a match. And we we fought, like, because she's bigger than I am. Sure. I'm pretty sure, yep, I was the champion. So I'm tougher. So yeah. I still hold that championship. No one's ever beaten me in that promotion. Mm-hmm. So um, she is. She she have kind of the Barbie look. Yeah, she used to. She okay. since then she's become the man eater. So you want to talk about nuts? She's dyed her hair black, has man eater tattooed across her stomach, and has done a lot of hardcore stuff since then. Yeah, I know. Maybe I just taste her out of women's wrestling. <laughs> well, speaking of somebody that needs to be chased out of women's wrestling, uh, there's a, a young woman I want to talk to you about. Uh, I almost, I felt, I'm not going to say I almost felt bad. I did feel bad. Uh, a, a young lady named Mandy Leone. Okay. Cle- clearly outmatched, clearly not trained well or properly. Um... When you go into a match like that with somebody who's clearly lacking skill, what is your only defense? What do you do? Okay, so Mandy... Yeah, I'm going to go there, baby doll. You know me. (laughs) So Mandy Leone is actually trained by Ring of Honor. She's actually one of the Women of Honor girls. So outside of the ring, I respect her completely. I I respect every person that I share the ring with. Okay. Uh, so if you're ever in a situation where the person isn't trained or they don't know what they're doing, you always, and one of the first things that I've ever learned how to do is protect myself. So I'm never going to give somebody my body if I don't trust them. I'm never going to put myself in a situation where I can I can actually get hurt. I've, thank, yeah. Thankfully, I've never had a serious injury in wrestling. 
because I always learn to protect myself. Yeah, sure. Well, I've been around a long time and I've, I've seen workers that are trained properly and I, I can instantly tell. Mm-hmm. Um, Ring of Honor aside, uh, whether that's respective or not, I, I don't know and I don't care. Quite frankly, she wasn't skilled. She should not have been in the ring with you. She should. She could have hurt you. Um, and the fact that you actually got out of that match with some semblance of a victory is amazing. Um, you don't have to say it. I will. Uh, she needs to get her money back if she paid for training. So uh, if Ring of Honor did in fact train her, shame on you. Shame on you. Don't ever put a woman in the ring unskilled and untrained because you're going to hurt somebody. Gary. Yes, sir. Talk to baby doll. <clears throat> so also, like, you know, well, I said, you know, how it was be a taller engine. What about being Jake the Snake growing up with that? Um, Jake the Snake actually opened up the door to the TV studio the very first day that I worked for World Class Wrestling. We hit it off. We're like really good friends. We've been friends since like 1984. Um, Gino had a Corvette and, and went on road trips, so I very rarely got to travel with him. Jake and I traveled more together, and he taught me a lot. And he taught me a lot about being a heel and slowing down and doing interviews. And um, to this day, I call him my friend. He's a really, really good guy, and I, I learned a lot from him. Yeah, I've met Jake a couple times, and it's always been a a good good thing with him learning from him. He's he loves to talk. He loves to tell you stories. He loves to tell you about how you're wrestling, how you how you look out there. Well, you know, Nick, let me wait. I I've got a really really cool story about Jake. Okay, great. Whenever I was a little girl, my dad had a wrestling promotion in Lubbock, Texas, and we had the Sheik come through. And uh, the Sheik and the Super Destroyer had like a summer working for my dad that we had amazing crowds for. Uh, one of the matches, we had like an Arabian death match. And my dad had four truckloads full of sand brought in and brought around the ring so that it was an Arabian death match. And we also had a snake called Captain Crunch that he would carry down to the ring and do his uh, deal with a snake. And then I'd hold the bag open for him and he put the snake in the bag. And it was it was a really cool production. It was really cool to put the Sheik over that way. Well, the Sheik was up in Detroit wrestling and he was talking about how my dad was taking care of him and the crowds, how, how cool it was to go down to Texas and work. And so he was. everybody was talking about the promoter, Nick Roberts. Well, Jake was in the corner like getting ready to do his match up there and He's like in the middle of like gimmicks and he's not quite sure what he's doing. So he's going, Jake, Jake, the snake, Jake, the snake Roberts. So he actually got the Roberts because Jake's uh, real name is Smith. And so he got Jake, the snake Roberts from actually hearing this sheik tell a story about Lubbock, Texas and my dad. And then like 10 years later, we're working together in Dallas, Texas. Why is this the first time you're telling that story on the show? Because you're special and not everybody knows that. You know, i got to tell you something. I knew that story. <laughs> All right. I did. 
Uh, you got to remember, I'm old. I've been around a long time. Uh, yeah, I, I heard that story. I heard that the, the sheik, uh, Eddie Farhad, by the way, was the sheik. Uh, that, yeah, I heard that story, and I heard that he actually gave Jake his name. Uh, in fact, he did that uh, to a couple of people. Um, well, then Dick the Bruiser. Well, if yeah. you've got one person telling the story, then it's the truth. Yep. And Dick the Bruiser was another one. She gave uh, Dick the Bruiser his name. The, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I, and I know that because I spoke to Dick the Bruiser's son-in-law, who's a friend of mine. He's actually going to be on the show in about three weeks. Scott oh. Romer. Scott Romer from... Uh, uh, from um, where the hell is it? He's from Detroit. Um, I forget. Oh God, forgive me, Scott. I forgot the name of your promotion already. So much going on. Um, so, Samantha, let's talk about this. So, a little birdie uh, whispered into my ear that you are being looked at and talked about for a phone call. You uh, Do you know about this? No. No. A little birdie, a friend of mine in Florida, says that they're looking at you. For which one? <laughs> For the performance center. Oh wow! Do you what, know what about that? Because I, I want to be the I want to be the one to break the news to you. All right, go ahead, break the news. They're looking at you. Well, that's awesome. That's the news. Who's your They're looking at you. Yeah. See, I'm old. You got to remember, son. Mom and tell you, I'm old. I know a lot of people. Um, let's talk a little bit about somebody who I have to put over big time, especially you and her in the match that you had. Brittany Blake. That match was the match I saw was a clinic. And I'm going to call it what it is. It was a clinic in what to do right in women's wrestling. It was a respectful match. It was back and forth. It was 50-50 up until the final pin. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about working with Brittany Blake. Brittany and I have had really good chemistry. Um, we have two very, very different styles. But we have that level of respect. What We know what it takes to go out there and actually put on a good match. And you know something, Samantha, I have to tell you, not to interrupt you, but I think that's exactly what you just said is the reason I think that match was so amazing, that your styles are different and they complement each other. Opposite styles complement each other in the ring. Exactly. If, if, yeah, if, if you went into the ring with someone of your similar style, it would have been a cluster. It really would have. And I think the fact that you guys have, you know, such respect for each other, but such different styles is what made this the match I call the clinic match. Mm -hmm. Because it really, really worked. So so walk me through that. Um, did you go and did you go over the match or did you just kind of like we do call it in the ring? How do you like to prepare for matches? Uh, normally with a lot of sugar. And that's about it. <laughs> Everyone's different. Everyone has yes. different different feelings and different different chemistry in the ring. So I don't call it. We go out there and we figure it out. And the Good. best ones. That's, I am that's so happy. You you don't know how happy you made me. Yeah. I I and and your mother will tell you. 
I am, and I said it on the last time that Mama was here. I just do not like people that spend 45 minutes in the back going over an eight-minute match. Right. There's there's no need to go over spot for spot in a it match. It takes away from the, the, the realism of it. It takes away from the, like... You're not involving the crowd. You've got to involve the crowd. Otherwise, you're just, you're just walking. You're just dancing. You're not it's like a script rather than listening to the crowd and what the crowd wants, you've got to give the crowd what they want. And then right when you, they think that they're going to get it, then you take it away. I want everybody to hear what she just said. This is a young lady that's still a greenhorn in the business. Figuratively speaking and quite literally too. But you talked about something that is passionately missing from wrestling, realism, storytelling, psychology. You're fortunate because you have, look who your mom is and look who you, your, your mentors were. I mean, you know, having Steve Williams babysit you and feeding you beef jerky, you know, that's a learning curve. Right. And I knew Steve Williams, rest his soul, and I liked Steve. And, and I knew Bubba. And he was a trip, you know. Um, but one of the things I can tell you is that as a casual fan, and I describe myself that way, the storytelling is missing. It's gone. The psychology is non-existent. Mm -hmm. The realism, you may as well just, I think when they, when they started calling what we do sports entertainment, it took the big giant shit on the business. And thank goodness for companies like AEW that are calling it professional wrestling again. Well, when you were talking about like Tully and asking what it was like to work with him, one of the main things that he explained to me about was that there might be five to seven matches on the card and that all of them People may not believe that it's true, but the one match that they're going to believe is the match that Tully's in. They're going to, there's not going to be a question in their, in their mind, whether that was real or not. They're going to go home and go all the rest of that. That's was fake or whatever they want to call it. But yeah. then Tully Blanchard, that was real without a doubt. Whatever Tully did was real. And you look to this day, you know, everything that he did was just so tight and so absolutely that there wasn't any question that you knew that, okay, the rest of it, okay, well, maybe, but Tully Blanchard was in the ring, there was no doubt. And Nicola, I'll tell you who that person was for me. You know, I grew up on the East Coast with uh, Vince McMahon Sr.'s Worldwide Wrestling Federation. And that person for me was Bruno San Martino. Right. You know, you could say anything you want about wrestling. You know, wrestling was fake, it was, you know, choreographed, it was predetermined. But when Bruno wrestled, that was real. Right. The other matches were fake. Right. But Bruno's match was real. Why? Because he was a champion. And Tully was a champion as well. For exactly. a very, very long time. For uh, for the majority of his career, he was a champion. Well, he, was, he, he, he almost always had a belt. He had like the national belt. And then my favorite was always a TV title with the red, red leather and the silver. That was was one of my uh, favorites. And then he had tag team titles like with Arn. 
but um, yeah, exactly. You're either you either have a belt or you're chasing them. So that was that's the main story. Absolutely, absolutely. So now, young lady Samantha Starr. I love the name, by the way. Who came up? Let's talk before I ask you a question. I got to find out where the name come from. Okay. Because we, we, we must, you know, we, yeah, okay. we, you know, on on this show, you know, this is a this is a no K fabe zone, Nikki. So you know that. All right, uh, Michaela. Well, Smith. well, I have yeah. two, I have two daughters by Sam Houston. My right. first daughter is Micah Tyler, and whenever I was in high school, there was a little boy that rode his bike around the the track, and his name was Micah. And I fell in love with the name. I always thought that if I had a child, I would name him Micah. Whether it was a girl or a boy, it was going to be Micah. So Micah got her name from a little boy that I knew in high school. And he was probably like four or five years old. And it, it was kind of sad because his mom would actually lock him out of the room from or the house from like two to four o'clock. So he would come over and would retrieve the discus for me or the shot put and was just had the little silver teeth because he had bad teeth, but just really cute. Now, Tyler came from Stephen Tyler because I really, really loved Aerosmith and Stephen Tyler. So her name is Micah Tyler Smith. Then when Michaela come al came along, I was trying to figure out, okay, what names do I want? What names do I want? So I really like the name Samantha Starr because then it would be Samantha Starr Smith and have SSS as the initials. But when I got to thinking about it, it was like, Oh, that kind of sounds like a stripper name. So I thought <laughs> Samantha Starr. So I named her Michaela. I love it. From Micah. So I had Micah and Michaela. And then her middle name is Joy because whenever I was pregnant with her, she always would make circles with her feet like she was singing. And it was just so funny because she would be like, la di da di da di da. And I knew that she was going to make a lot of people happy. So her name is Michaela Joy. Well, then when she went into wrestling, the name Samantha Starr just fit. Because that's, you know, it, it gets your name, it gets your attention. It's really cool. It's sexy. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's great. It's so you were already thinking gimmick when she was younger. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, always, always thinking of the business. Right. And what's a, is I, I thought Michaela, no one had the name Michaela back then. So I thought that was unique. But actually, if she was a Samantha back then, it would have been unique. So I kind of got it twisted up. But either way, both names fit her perfectly. It worked. Look, it works. And when something works, you stick with it. It's beautiful. I love that. And you can't make up a story like that. It has to be true. Because <laughs> look, if Nicola Roberts is telling you, look, that's the way it is. Well, Asgard Anderson, I I am brutally truthful. I always tell the truth, and he'll he'll vouch for that. I'm sure he will, and we will have that opportunity in the uh, upcoming months. We've already been in contact with Arn, and uh, and I think super, he's going to do the show. Super guy. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and we after we get off the air, I need to to find out about that other that other guest I've been waiting for like forever to get. Oh, I thought you'd already reached. I, I'll help you with that. I'll get it for you. Yeah. See, you know, we get guests like Samantha Starr and Nicola Roberts um, because we're nice people and we're kind and generous, but we also bribe the hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we get them to appear. We bribe them. <laughs> 
listen, I've got to put a five-year-old to bed, so why don't we have one more question, and we're going to duck out of here. You got it. Okay. So go ahead, Gary. I'll give this one to you. Right. Um, I would like to know, how was it to be a part of Jim Crockett Promotions, especially in the, in the prime of that of that promotion? And what oh, things, good question. Territories had started to change. How was it being a part of that? It was... It was so magical because, like, on some of the shows, you know, you didn't know where the building was, but you just followed the cars to the building because there were so many people going to the show. Um, working with, like, Flair and Tully and Dusty, Arn, Jim Cornette, the Midnight Express, it was, I was working with the absolute best of the best. And we were making, like, super money. We were making more money than we could spend we got to travel the the first year that I worked with them. I, I only had 15 days off the whole year. I think Tully only had 10 because he went down to Puerto Rico for a trip. Um, it little did we know that like 35, 40 years later, people would be watching what we did. And and, and I guess amazing, it, isn't it? It 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 really is, and it's very humbling for me to know like. How many households I'm in because of the posters and the magazines. And yeah. back then it was like the VHS and the um, beta tapes. It's, yeah. it's pretty humbling to look back now. And it's one of the things I really like to do is like with the legends and the fan fest. Is people walk up and, and they see you and it's like they're eight years old all over again. And they remember yeah. being on the couch like with a grandparent that's no longer with us. And remembering that grandparent getting so mad at the at the wrestling show because you know we cheated on Dusty or or Flair got the best of somebody and they go shut off the TV and swear that they'd never watch wrestling again. But <laughs> yeah. Saturday afternoon at five o'clock, watching again yeah. and and it was it was just a really really just special time and I was so blessed to be a part of it. I say that every single day. Anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, the, the guy who owns much of uh, the footage uh, and all of the photographs uh, of the Crockett era, George Pantis, uh, he's a friend of mine and he's coming on the show. And I, I, Nikki, I know that you know George. Oh, yes. And George will be on the show uh, talking about uh, Mid-Atlantic at Crockett and he will also be here to pay special tribute to uh, to our late friend Jeff the Ref, right? So they were very dear friends. Nicola, thank you so much for happy birthday in in Greek every year. Yeah, <laughs> did he ever sing it? Yeah, did he yeah. ever? Sing it? Oh my God, it's funny. I, I get the big Greek kiss every month. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, George is George is probably the best friend wrestling has right now. Awesome, awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for having yes, us back thank on. You. And I will get with you tomorrow on your other guest. I will work on that. Thank you so much. And Samantha, okay, I'm going to have you back on all by yourself. Okay. Just let hey. me know when. You got it. Thank you, young lady. Take care. Nicola, have a good night. Thanks so much yeah. for joining us. All right. Bye-bye. All right. It's just you and me, Livid. How are you, brother? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm terrific. I'm terrific. That was nice to have uh, Baby Doll and Samantha Star on for 
a little bit. I know that they were limited tonight, so uh, that she just got back from uh, from Texas, and it was uh, it was a long trip for her. So I'm very grateful and thankful to have uh, baby doll for as long as we did, and uh, and to have her daughter with us tonight too. That was a nice treat. So let's talk about you uh, and this crazy, wacky world of wrestling. So you started as a fan. You watched it growing up. Yep. And you uh, you got bit by the bug at a young age. Oh yeah. I, um, I guess the first the first really was to grab me was the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, Rick and Robert. Yeah, I, I used to. I would. Just to watch wrestling in my house, I'd wear the bandanas on my hand, my wrist, and my legs. I had this, the sleeves cut off for shirt. <laughs> oh, you were you was gimmicked up, brother. Yeah, you know, and um, and then, uh, you know, Ronnie Garvin was one of my big favorites. Oh and, yeah, absolutely, um, the hands of stone. Yeah, I I love Ronnie. I I I've, I've met Ronnie a few times, and every time I've I've talked to him, it's Turned into a two-hour conversation. He's a great guy. Yeah, he really is. Nice guy. And then once, uh, you know, just as wrestling was progressing, uh, Sting, and that was probably it. That was the that was the person I think that really put me over the edge to say that yeah, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to be. I want I want those kids to you know be cheering for me just like that. You know, because he was. He was above everybody. You know, he was above Hogan. Brett, oh, sure. All of them, you know. People, can see people they, don't they realize want. how big a star Sting really was. He was. He he was a trendsetter for sure. He really was. And and it's a shame that, that even now, I don't think he, he gets the kind of credit he deserves. And that's just my opinion. But uh, I I've, I was always a huge, and I'll, I'll tell you straight up, I marked out for Sting. Yeah, I was always a huge mark for Sting. Yeah, I've got many, <laughs> many photos of me in Norfolk scope with my face painted, wearing a Sting shirt. <laughs> you know, out there just having a ball. You know, like, you were one of those crazy people that painted yourself up. Oh yeah, I man, I went all the way out from like, <laughs> by like age seven. I was painting my or no, about eight, age not eight or nine. I started painting my face like Sting till probably I was thirteen. Well, let's talk about that. Painting your face. You're still painting your face. No, actually, it's a mask. Oh, I was going to ask you, where where did Livid come from? Um, I've always I've always loved clowns. And, I mean, since I was really little, like, uh, my grandma would always buy me little knickknacks and statues and stuff of clowns. And I loved going to circus. And uh, I was never one of the kids that cried. I, I thought it was great. Thought it was funny. Love clowns. You know, it's funny. You just said something really important. You know, clowns are supposed to make you laugh. Why is it that kids cry when they see clowns? What is it? I, what I is think, it about clowns that scare the shit out of us? I think it's the. Um, I, I would say it's the makeup. You know, it's the the fact that you can't see somebody's actual identity. Interesting. I think that's the psychological part about that. Is this? It's it's so much unknown and it's not normal, but especially for a little kid, you know, you see your mom and dad, no no makeup, no wig, or nothing like right. that. You know, every day of your life, and then all of a sudden, boom, you got somebody with white, blue, red, green, all over their face. Yeah, 
So when you're doing Livid the Clown, how does psychology play uh, in your matches? Um, lots of comedy, for, for one. Um, yeah. And you know, at, at the beginning of this, I, I joked, I kind of ribbed you a bit, you know, saying that Livid was an evil, vile, disgusting clown. You know, but the truth is, you know, I, I, I can't put you over enough. That's a great, that's a great gimmick. Great gimmick. You're all, no, you're, you, you, trust me, you've earned it. You've earned it. Uh, it's, it's a great gimmick. Yeah. So now, how, how do kids respond to this day, though? Yeah, well, how do kids respond to you? When, uh, when I first started, um, I was a heel. And it's, it's, I always loved heels growing up. Even though I had my favorite like Sting, like Cactus Jack, Big Ben Vader, Sid Vicious, those guys were awesome to me. Yeah. Whether, whether they were heels and things they did. So, like, that was my first, you know, what I really wanted to have Livid as. And it, the Livid stood for the lost individual venturing in the darkness. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so I would, I, 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 I got so much heat before I even got in the ring. I would hand out balloons. And then after I was done handing out the balloons, I go back around to where they hand out the balloons, and I pop them with a yeah. heel. Wow! So, so you started as as a heel. When did uh, when did your face turn come? Well, it, it was and it wasn't like it wasn't even a planned turn at all. Um, I was working for a promotion, and they had a guy that was kind of he was kind of like in the middle of heel face. You know, he was an in betweener. But a yeah. lot of people, a lot of people didn't like him, his gimmick, as his attitude, how it was. Like it, he was trying to be full heel, but you know, some people liked him just for the way he wrestled. Well, I mean, you you either have it or you don't. I mean, you're either a natural heel or you're not. Yeah, and so, so did, I pulled a yeah, I, pulled yeah. a, I pulled a sting that night. Um, oh, I got you. Okay. Uh, I turned. I got him to turn to kill all the lights in the building, and then I showed up in the in the ring. You know, like because that's what Sting was doing during the Crow version of himself. Sure. Just, just appeared, and so I did that. I was standing in the ring behind them when the lights came back on. Crowd lost it. I mean, just lost really? it. And I he turned around, got scared. The clown was in the ring with him. I clotheslined him out of the ring, and fans still just going off, cheering, cheering, cheering. Then the next show, I came out, and it was a full eruption. And where they, was this? They literally turned me face. Where, where, where was this? When did this take? What, what the? What city? Uh... It was here. It was here locally in Norfolk. It was a company called HCW. That I okay. Interesting. So the crowd, you didn't have to do anything. It was the crowd that did it for you. Yeah, there was no, plans, there was no plans for me to go face at all. I was going to be a heel for as long as I could. See, that's an interesting dynamic that's happened a couple of times in wrestling, where the crowd dictates to you what you're going to be. Yeah. So now when, when the crowd put you over that night as a face... Did that come as a shock to you, or, or did you kind of expect it? No, it, it was a shock. It was a shock altogether. Like, because, I mean, I was, the point of what I was doing was to be 
to put him over more as the baby. Yeah. And like and the fact to me scaring him and then attacking him, you know, like I was trying to make sure I was known in the or the match that was gonna be coming that I was the heel. And yeah. the the fans yeah, just so didn't it like backfired on him big time. Yes, yeah, so the fans just did what they wanted <laughs> and it was and I've been a face ever since and I've I went from being just a normal face to being a baby, like especially at BCW. Now, are you face everywhere you wrestle? Because I know you're you're currently working for a, a half a dozen promotions, and you you travel quite a bit. Yes, and, and I I know that I've I've done some research on you. Uh, you you're working for that I know of seven promotions right now. Yeah, you're um, face all of about I think twenty seven companies. Right, but but. Ones that you're working for steadily. There's like a half a dozen. Yeah. At, least, at least seven to eight that we steadily try to get in our, our schedule. It's just so tough with everybody running on the same weekends. I know. Like that. well, so it's really hard to do. And um, we're the, Me and my tag partner, Wes Danger Rogers, uh, we're simply <laughs> safest. And we're face everywhere we go. Um, right. We're the safest team that it can be. <laughs> Now, when, he's a safety guy. I'm the ish. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, you're talking about being a, a part of a tag team. Um, we had, I guess, about three weeks ago, we had uh, one half of the uh, old school empire on the show. Uh, you know, Patch and Vinny the Fixer uh, are uh, a babyface uh, tag team up in the Northeast area. Uh, they work for Dog Championship Wrestling, and and I was talking to. Um, it's interesting because Patch didn't make it that night, and we was just had Vinny the Fixer on, and he's a guy much like yourself that started off as a heel, and the crowd turned him face wow. in the match, and he said that. He didn't respond to that all too well because he never worked face, and it was foreign to him. It was, it was, you know, it made him feel uncomfortable. It, it really does. It really I was does. Gonna, uh, yeah, that was going to be my question to you. Did it? How do you get over that? How do you get around that? <laughs> well, uh, kind of in a way that I did it. I just started another gimmick. <laughs> oh, tell me about that. Walk me through it. Yeah. Um, one of uh, one of my mentors in the business, Phil Brown, he had uh, came up to me one night after a show, and he said, "You know, you're great. You're a great performer as Living the Clown." He said, "But when you are sending them videos and people are watching you, they're only seeing the comedy gimmick of a clown. They're not seeing exactly what you're knowledgeable in, what you really can do." Yeah. So um, I had. I messaged one another promotion that I work for, uh, Next Evolution Wrestling, and I I pitched the idea to them. And I said, "Hey, um, I got this idea to wrestle as myself, but you know, not as myself, but as another gimmick." And I found I got a partner, which I was going to partner with him originally as a clown, and he he, he hates clowns, but he was going to do it for me. And, right. and his name is Austin Shadows. And uh, I messaged him one night and I was like, look, hey, how about 
I'm going to be Jackson Shadows. You stay Austin Shadows. We're not doing clowns. We're going to be a demon fighting tag team. And it took us probably about a month and a half to figure out a name. And we became the Hounds of Hades. Really? And, and how, uh, did that, how did that come about? Uh, just the stuff that we like. You know, we're both into heavy metal, stuff like that. And... Oh, yeah, so there's he, he already had his gimmick as Austin Shadow, so we broke it into that. I was like his, a, I'm his, bro, his blood brother, but I've been out of the out of the scene, and we got back together after on the show and we formed the tag team, and it was great. We hit we hit it really hard, and we started getting booked all over. People were messaging wow. us instantaneously that they wanted us to be on their show. Um, and then about a year ago, we kind of um, went on a hiatus. Both of us were dealing with some things, so we kind of just took a break. And then Robbie took a little longer break <laughs> to get some stuff going on that he had to yeah. deal with. And so then I just started being livid again. And then that's when they threw me in with Wes to do a show, just a just a throwaway match pretty much. They were throwing us in the match just to yeah. put somebody else over. Gary, what do you make of this this trend in wrestling uh, with the dark themed characters? You know, we see it uh, in WWE with the Bray Wyatt, the Fiend character. There seems to be, especially on the indies, and and you know, and I follow a fair amount of indie promotions, but there seems to be this trend in dark characters. Uh, gothic figures, uh, you know, uh, heavy metal-influenced figures, uh, wearing uh, the, the the dark makeup, wearing, for lack of a better term, the fiend mask. There's a lot of that uh, among the indie circuit. Is that from lack of originality, or is there there's something else at play that we don't know about? Uh, I, don't, I don't know about necessarily saying that it's... Um it's a lack of originality. Because um, if you really think about it, like that look has been in the business since the 80s. Just It wasn't able to be projected as much because that's how things weren't. You know, it was old school. You had to, you had to act a certain way and do a certain thing. You know? is, that, is that more like a, a return to characters, do you think? I mean, look at where the Freebirds went from. You know, they went from a southern rock yeah, well, yeah, you know what? Good point. That's a, that's a, Gary, that's a real good point. True. Yeah, and then they, all of a sudden there's some hot Atlanta hair Yeah, band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Bad Street, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean... So yeah. you were a fan growing up of the, of the Crockett generation. Yeah, that was the very first uh, VHS tape I ever owned was the Crockett Cup. Now, you know, one of the things that we talked about heavily on this show... With Jeff the ref, rest in peace. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Yeah, I, I still haven't been able to make a post on Facebook. I, I changed my picture to him. But every time I've gone to start typing something to say about him, I, I just start crying and tearing up. And I didn't Yeah, brother, you, you have no idea. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot straight with you and our audience tonight. I almost didn't do this show tonight. I'm going to be honest with you. Because it's... Yeah, yeah, there's... <laughs> 
you can't replace Jeff the ref. And, and so I said to myself, I'm not going to try. So I'll just bring in a guest co-host and see how it works out. And, and you know, and try different people on, you know? Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. It's an honor for you to ask me that, especially for you know, him having been on the show with you. It's uh, I, I wanted you on here, Gary, because I knew that you knew him. And that you spent time talking to him, and you and you probably have a story or two to share. And working for Vanguard, I'm sure you, I'm sure you had uh, more than a few stories to share, <laughs> which um, which I'm going to ask you to do in just a minute, because that's how we're going to end the show. Okay. Uh, but the one thing about Jeff is that, brother, he knew his wrestling. Oh yeah, he did. Oh my God, did he know his wrestling? And uh, and so uh, it was it was it was hard to come on here, but I thought you know what he wouldn't want this thing to stop. In fact, his family told me that he would want this to continue. So that's out of respect and love for his family. That's why we're doing this tonight, and we will continue. Um. So uh, so uh, first of all, let me say thank you. For joining me, you made my evening a lot more pleasant than it would have been. That's not thing. Number two, I was quite frankly nervous to do the show myself. Although I would have done it with a smile on my face, it would have still been difficult inside. Yeah. Um, but the, one of the things that Jeff always brought was a sense of history. Um, and so, in that note, you worked for Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, and, you know, the new, the new generation of it. Was there or is there any remnants of the old school in Mid-Atlantic today that we would recognize? Or is it a completely different company? Well, it was... Um... It had a very large ring. It was a twenty by twenty ring. Oh wow! Yeah, I remember. I remember when I ran the ropes the first time. I was like, "I'm not doing that anymore tonight." Get blown up. <laughs> I was like, "This is crazy." And, uh, and so you were like an arena size ring. Yeah, uh, I mean, people just, don't understand how big a twenty by twenty ring is. It is. It is huge <laughs> now you're you probably work a 16 by 16 every every weekend and people don't understand you know it's funny that we're talking about this gary because jeff and i actually talked about ring sizes on one show oh yeah how if your footing is off if your stepping is off the whole match changes just because of the ring size yeah it really does i mean like like you know people they have a certain, you know, routine in the ring, you know, like by running the ropes. And if it's not like it's a secret. You can, you watch, if you watch wrestling, you watch wrestling, you see what they do. I mean, uh, a ring, a 16 by 16, you're doing two steps and that's it. You better be on the other side of that ring after that second step. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And like when I was, 
the 20 by 20. I, after my second step, I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I did another yeah. step. <laughs> it, throws you, it throws your game off. People it don't does, realize it that. Does. It, it mentally throws everything off because, like, you just have a sense of everything in the ring that you're trained in. And, like, just even locking up, you know, you're taking, you're taking extra movements and everything, like, you know, you're setting up coming off of the rope or just – the ring placement yourself as bump, sell, and feeding is not going to change, but uh, just just the actual routine that you're used to of doing certain things is sure. totally thrown off. It's it's amazing how something as simple as the size of a ring can throw your whole game off. Yeah, and um, like, it was unreal when I when I when I worked there the first night when I found out that that ring was from the WrestleMania two, and. Like, oh, you know, back, like, up, back up. Hold on. <laughs> back up. That was from WrestleMania 2? Correct. How the hell did they get that ring, bro? Um, They got it from a trainer. Uh, it, he was using it as a training ring, um, the Iron Claw. And he, uh, he sold it to them, and that was the NWA ring. Get out. Fritz Von Erich, the, the Claw? That... Uh, that um, uh, what's his name? Um, Baron. Oh, Baron Von Raschke. Yes. Oh my God! Yeah, Jim Van Raschke. Sure. Yeah. So he got the uh, the guy got the Vinny got the ring from him, and I actually met Baron Von Raschke. He was a hell of a nice guy. He really was great guy. I met him. I've met him. Um, Arcade one year, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually met him at Cauliflower Alley Club. Yeah, I'm, I'm a member of Cauliflower Alley, and uh, I met him at the uh, Cauliflower Alley NWA 50th anniversary show. And, and actually, he sat next to me the whole night. It was a, I spent the whole night with Baron Von Rashi. Great guy. Great, great guy. Yeah, so man. now, let's talk yeah, about Vanguard. I'm sorry, say again? It's great to be able to spend time with people that you grew up watching and everything. It's, it's, no, it's amazing. It's, it's surreal to me because no matter what anybody says, I'm a mark for wrestling to the day I die. And that's why yeah, I'm in this be. business because I love wrestling and I'm a mark for wrestling. Exactly. You know, um, and I, I, I love I love being able to meet, you know, the people that I looked up to. Uh, like one of one of my like the closest people I've gotten to was Ron Simmons. Like I, me and Ron, they're – like this now, you know. I love that guy to death. He is, he is one. You know, we we tried, loving man. I, I have to tell you, we tried to get him on the show, um, but I couldn't get him to return my emails. <laughs> Maybe you can do something for yeah, me. Ron's busy, man. So I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he is. I'm please. I'm sure. Every time you turn around, he's doing an autograph signing somewhere. Yeah, he is, man. He's a, he's a busy guy. And, and like, what's really, like, nerve-wracking, uh, it was probably the third time I ever met Ron. And I've probably met him over 20-some times now. But it was, like, third night. I had I had done worked the show with him and talked with him and stuff. And he always watches the matches. Always. Yes. When he's done, when he's done doing what he's, what he's been paid to do, he sits behind that curtain and watches the matches. And I know that. So we're sitting in the locker room. And he was talking to me about the fact that I had changed from being Living the Clown to doing Hounds of Hades. He's like, well, you don't like being the clown no more? And I'm like, no, 
I just want people to see what I can do and everything. So I was like, hey, do you mind watching my match tonight? And so give me some feedback. And so our opponents come out. Uh, we're wrestling noise pollution, Max Morrison and Rock Richards. And we're the, we're the current tag team champions there in, at Shockwave. And so we come out, and we, we were like in-betweeners. Like, instantaneously with people. Like, some people booed us. Some people just cheered us the whole time. It was I – could, I could tell the guy that I was going to take his wife home, have her pregnant. By the end of the night, he'd probably be still like, yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. And um, so we're in the ring, and the referee takes the belts from us, and he's doing the circle. And then I look over, and here comes Ron out of the curtain with a chair <laughs> and walks over around to the – to this uh, hard cam side of the building and sits down in the middle of the, the floor behind all the other fans. And I'm like, damn. You know, like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> but now I'm nervous. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm my God. I'm like, I should have never asked him to watch the match. because he would have Nothing like a little before. pressure, right? Yeah, so we, have a, we, have, we had a great match. Uh, we get in the back. And he comes up to me, goes, man, he's like, I don't have much to say bad about it. He's like, y'all brought him up, and then you brought him right back down. You brought him up, you brought him down. He's like, you knew when to do something. He said, y'all really look well. Um, he gave me, uh, he gave my partner a couple of ideas, gave me some ideas, even talked with noise pollution, gave them some uh, some ideas of what they should do. And yeah. All in all, he was really happy with the match. He thought it flowed really well. He thought the ending was great, and so like that that meant a lot to me. And it was I'll tell you I, what I was it, expecting the worst because I, I I swear I was messing up the entire time thinking just thinking about he's being out there. But after I watched the tape, it was great. It was a great match. Well, I'll tell you what you're talking about, Ron Simmons. You know, Jeff the ref had a, a Ron Simmons story. It started out exactly the way you you started your story. He said that Ron Simmons came to the Vanguard and uh, and sat by the curtain the whole night and watched matches. Yep. People went to the ring. People went back through the curtain, got changed. He, he said people did this all night long. He said at the end of the night, Ron Simmons gathered all the boys up in the back. He sat them all down and started to read the riot act to them. Oh yeah, I, I've I've seen him I've seen him do it quite a few times. And, and I said I said to Jeff I said why uh, why did he do that? He said because nobody asked him to look at their match. He said that's what I'm here for to give you guys critique and to put you over if you need to be put over and to tell you what you're doing right and to tell you what you're doing wrong. And the fact that none of you asked me tells me that you all know what you're doing and I don't need to be here. And got up and left. And that's amazing. And Gary has disappeared. Well, oh, here's Gary. He's back. Oh, there you go. That's Ron Simmons' belt. Signed by Ron Simmons. Oh, there you go. 
And that's going to go up on eBay, right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's a beautiful belt. Thank you. That's a beautiful belt. Well, so now we are uh, we're going to uh, we're going to feature a part of the show we call "Remembering the Ref," and we're uh, and and I want everybody to tell an up fun story about Jeff the Ref. So I'm sure. You've got a couple of stories about the rest, so share one with us. Um, yeah, I could, I could do, I'll do one every week when you can't have me on. <laughs> um, I think of one, me and my partner, we actually, uh, we brought Jeff into a match with us. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we were, uh, we were wrestling the Hellcats, and... Uh, they, I had them in an abdominal stretch. So my tag partner made me grab hands with the guy on the Hellcats that was on the outside. And then Wes jumped down and made him grab Jeff's hand. And oh, God. <laughs> Wes, Wes grabbed Jeff's hand and then grabbed the fans. So they started, you know, tugging and pulling. And <laughs> Jeff, Jeff pulled the Hellcat down. The Hellcat fell on. Jeff goes sliding down the whole rampway. <laughs> <laughs> he, hit oh. knee, he hit his knee all hard. Couldn't get up. He's laying there. The fans are all falling back in there because they seen him fall back. So all the fans are flying all over the chairs. Oh, my God. That's funny. He never told that story. And then we got in trouble for that because in Virginia, you're not supposed to touch people. So we had too oh, much participation. Wow. And then we, we we included Jeff that wasn't licensed wrestler. Oh, that's right. Virginia has a commission still. Yeah. and but oh, I, remember, no. I remember after we got yelled at, Jeff pulled me to the side and goes, thanks for putting me in the match. <laughs> you, you know, I have to tell you, uh, he always wanted to be a wrestler. Yeah, man. Yeah, he always wanted to be a wrestler. So, on behalf, thank you for doing that. I appreciate yeah, it. No problem. I, I, it was good to see the smile on his face, just to be like. I mean, he always did anyway. You know, being out there, he loved. He loved being the head of the security. He loved being a part of the back, the locker room. You know, he every single yeah. person in that locker room loves Jeff. You know, when's the yeah, when's the next show at Vanguard? What's that? When's the next show at Vanguard? It is the uh, 14th. March 14th. And that's, uh, I believe, they're bringing Sergeant Slaughter in. Yeah, we're bringing Sergeant Slaughter in. It's going to be at Hampton High School in Hampton, Virginia. And that's going to benefit the uh, athletic department there? Yes. Okay, so let's... Um... Oh, we just lost Gary. I'm here. There you go. Okay, we lost your, we lost your camera, Gary. I can still hear you. Can you see me? Okay. Uh, there you go. Yeah, so that's going to benefit the Hampton High School Athletic Department, March 14th. Vanguard. Uh, that's George Panis' school. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, and George is going to be on the show. Um, we're going to have him on in uh, three weeks. Yeah, George, George actually tagged with Living the Clown at Hampton High School one year. Oh, you got to save that story. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll save it for next week. <laughs> yeah, because that. Oh man, I, Oh god, 
I need a whole show to just tell you how we got from one point to the actual match. You can do that if you want. <laughs> I, had, I had to help train. It was it was great, man. I got video of everything, though. We'll talk about that next week. That sounds like something we might want to do. Okay. Um. So that's Vanguard Championship Wrestling, March 14th, Hampton High School, to benefit the Hampton High School Athletic Department with one and only Sergeant Slaughter. And say what's happening up here, Dog Championship Wrestling. The next show will be at the Max Fit Sports Center in Glassboro, New Jersey. Uh, Breaker Morant will defend his title against, I believe, uh, what did they say? Oh, God, I'm so sorry, Breaker, I forgot. Um, Vinny the Fixer and Patch will defend their tag team titles also that evening. There will be a special grudge match with Daredevil Dave Dahl. And I believe, oh God, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, so I'm so sorry. There's, I got so much going on in my head right now. I'm, I'm, forgive me, folks. This is live. Um, but I, again, the important stuff is Max Fit Sports Center, Glassboro, New Jersey, Dog Pro Wrestling, Dog Championship Wrestling. Um, and that is Break Morant, Vinny the Fixer, Patch, Ray Jazz, Daredevil Dave Dahl. Um, oh God, um, Biggie Biggs will be there among others. Uh, but for our show, Wrestling with the Future will continue. The refs, I want to thank Mike Kelleher, Jeff the Ref's uh, childhood friend, for continuing that show for us. And uh, we will appear live at the Icons of Wrestling Convention in Philadelphia. That will be at the ECW Arena at Swanson and Rittner Street in Philadelphia. Uh, we will have a special guest with us that day. It will be Grimlina from the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. She's one of my favorites. And I know Grimmie is one of the favorites at Vanguard. She was the acting commissioner for a while. Yeah, I'm her favorite clown. Well, if you're around Philadelphia, come on up. When is that? April the 11th. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, I'll be around because I'll be in. I'm going to be in Mania in Tampa. Uh, we're going down that that Wednesday. I think it's the second, the first. Maybe we might be going down the first, but we'll be there till that following Monday after Mania. So yeah, okay. And I think we we have. I have to look at the calendar and see what our show is that following week. Okay, yeah, well, we'll be uh, in Philadelphia April the 11th at the Icons of Wrestling at the ECW Arena, and that's co-promoted by Rob Feinstein from RF Video. And yeah, Rob, I would love to go to that arena. Yeah, that's a great building. Yeah, I've never uh, been there. I want to be there. I want to go so bad. Oh, it's, well, if like I, you have an open invite. All right. I appreciate that. And bring the gimmick with you. Oh, I will. He, Absolutely. He, he follows me around everywhere. <laughs> like a redheaded stepchild. I hear you, my friend. So on behalf of Gary Arnold, Live the Clown, I'm Psychic Medium Angelo. Thanks for joining us. This one's for you, ref. It was hard, but we got through it. Good night, everybody, and happy wrestling. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot.